This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. Thank you to all our patrons on Patreon. You help make this podcast possible. And if you want to add your support, visit patreon.com forward slash right from the deep. We'd sure appreciate it. Indeed. And a big, huge, giant thank you to our February sponsor of the month, Wendy L. MacDonald. Wendy's a writer and a poet and a podcaster and a photographer. Hey, check out her <laughs> pictures on Facebook and Instagram and all those fun things. She's a nature lover. And I know you guys will enjoy getting to know her and get this she has a free special gift for you 10 good habits to help you become a great listener and i think that sounds like something we all need and you can find a link for that in our show notes thank you wendy and it's my turn to share a wonder and my wonder this time is this podcast because of the <laughs> way that it came around and you'll understand better when we get into the podcast but it is an amazement to me how God speaks truths to so many of us in separate ways in separate times and yet they're all the same truth to draw us closer to him so that's my wonder this time yay and now here's the show Welcome, everyone, to The Deep today. We're so glad to have you here with us, and I have something special to share with you. I'm, I'm actually part of a brainstorming group of writers, roughly 10 women, and this group has been meeting for 20 years or more, and so you can imagine <laughs> we're all very good friends. And as believers, we spend a lot of time talking about the Lord and praying together. And it's in this spirit we pray and ask God every year to give us a word to focus on each year. He's been so faithful to do this for us. It's, it's been amazing to me and to confirm our individual words with scripture and quotes and other things. I'll share my word for 2024 with you, but in a later podcast. What I want to talk about today, though, is from one of the women in my group. Her name is Gail DeSalles. She recently shared in an email what God had shown her for her word and how he showed her. I was so moved and impressed with what she shared that I went right away and emailed her and asked if I could use it as a basis for this podcast, and she graciously agreed. So thank you, Gail. You're yes, wonderful. thank you. A part of what impressed me so much was that God had been stirring similar thoughts and questions in me over the past weeks as he had in Gail when he brought her this word. And I always love it when God whispers the same truths to different believers. When that happens, I often feel a holy pay attention to this, <laughs> meaning there's something important in what I'm hearing or reading, not just for the person sharing, not just for me, but for others. And I knew as I read and understood what Gail was saying that many of you would relate to this as well because her word and the path that she took to it is applicable to our lives and our writing journeys. Gail's word for 2024 comes from one of the most familiar passages in the whole Bible. She said she wasn't even thinking about this scripture or word when it came to her, though. She'd been uncertain what her word was, so she decided to do something that we all need to do when we're seeking God's guidance. She meditated on his word, 
listened only to him, and explored scriptures as he directed. So guys, do you have a decision to make, like an issue where you're seeking God's guidance, or has some opportunity come to you, but you're not sure if it's right? Or maybe you're considering writing something different or something you've never written before, but you just can't shake some little concern about doing it. Or maybe you're feeling that, you know, you didn't hear God right, and you're somehow off track with what he wants from you as a writer. Well, of course, there are volumes upon volumes of books and commentaries and Bible studies that we can use as resources at these times, not to mention all the podcasts, websites, and on and on and on. There's a lot of resources out there. But the first wisest step to take when you're in a situation such as this is to do as Gail did, as God led her to do. Meditate on God's Word. Listen only to Him and explore Scripture as He directs. When you do this, you may be amazed how immersed you become in God's Word as God leads you through it. Maybe like, you know, verses you've never thought about in one light come to terms in a different light. Maybe you've known a verse all your life, and suddenly it's alive with a new meaning or new importance. Or chapters maybe you've read again and again. Now suddenly they have sections that you've like never seen. It's not that you haven't read them before. It's just that God is highlighting them in your mind and your spirit, telling you to pay attention, go deeper, and take time to understand. Remember that Hebrews 4.12 says, the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hmm. You know, Gail described her process well when she told the group, and I'm quoting, I've been enjoying myself so much that I keep getting the kind of dopamine rush I used to get when I took off on my bicycle for a long ride on a sunny spring day, a day not too hot or cold, when I headed down a path or wove through neighborhoods I'd never explored before. Do you guys remember doing that, that sense <laughs> of freedom, exploration, excitement, anticipation? I remember it. I remember feeling uh, that way when I rode my bike on a sunny Oregon day, when I lifted my hands just for a moment as I coasted down a back road. I swear it felt like I was flying. Cool. And when we come to the Word of God seeking only to hear Him, to be guided by Him, it is the same exhilarating sensation. Trust us on that. Do it. Try it. <laughs> so at this point in her email, Gail then shared her word for 2024. And that word is imagine. One of the confirming scriptures God gave her was Ephesians 3.20, and this is the familiar passage. Some versions of the Bible render the word imagine as think, while others render it as imagine. But Gail pointed out, either way, it's a term we can all embrace. So I'll read the New International Version. It goes like this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And that's actually Ephesians 3.20 and 21. So in the New American Standard Bible, Ephesians 20 is this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. 
And the Amplified Bible, the classic edition, actually expands on what certain words in this verse mean. So this verse in that version is, Now to him who by, in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, I love that word, (laughs) far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. And I'm telling you that that's impressive. (laughs) And in the Living Bible, we find this. Now, glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Man, how exciting is that verse? In each and every translation, we find an amazing truth. God is greater. Now, make that far greater than anything we can imagine, think, or dream of. His work within us and for us is beyond our greatest imaginings. Just take a minute and think about that. We can't begin to ask all that our God is able to do. I love that. And Crosswalk.com, and we'll link to these in the show notes, It shares this insight, quote, Paul had just previously written of God's marvelous plan for the Gentiles. God's love for us goes farther than even time itself. His love for us is a love that doesn't hold back. His love gives everything to the point of sacrificing his very own son. This is unquantifiable, immeasurable love. And the article goes on to say, God, who he is, And what he does, will do, and has done is immeasurable. We only see and know a slice of the whole pie in the sky, and we can know a lot about God. He's not afraid of our questions, our frustrations, and promises. When we seek him with all of our hearts, we will find him, unquote. That's so encouraging to me because we never, ever need to feel alone. You never need to feel that you can't figure something out. Almighty God is always at work in his immeasurable love, that vast immeasurable love on the answer, his answer for you. Oftentimes, though, even if we have this knowledge in our heads, our feelings overwhelm us, and we end up a bit lost. In Ecclesiastes 1, we see that Solomon, a man who once enjoyed deep fellowship with God, was led astray by his feelings. And yet, even in his emotional state, he is, in the pages of this book of the Bible, finding his way back, understanding that without God as the focus, life really is meaningless. Yeah, consider what we find in that chapter in Ecclesiastes 1, and especially between verses 1 and 11. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises, the sun sets, and then hurries around to rise again. And everything is wearisome beyond description. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. So that's a discouraged man. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever struggled with discouragement like this, feeling that no matter what you do, 
nothing ever happens, that you have nothing new to say or write, or that the same disappointments keep happening over and over. You know, you have to wonder how a man like Solomon reached this point. How does this Solomon jive with the Solomon we see in 1 Kings 3, 3 through 14? Listen to this. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it you. <laughs> wow, okay, listeners. What do you want of God? Imagine that. What is your fondest desire and goal? What would you say if Father God came to you and asked you this question? Now, Solomon replied this way. You showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O oh Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong, for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? So, Solomon, this great king, knew he was, quote, like a little child who doesn't know his way around, unquote. No matter how long we've been following Jesus, how long we've been writing what God asks us to write, we, like Solomon, are in many ways like a little child who doesn't know his way around. Yes, we love God. We seek to serve him as best we know how. But as we saw in the verses in Ephesians, what we truly know of God is minuscule compared to who he is and what he is doing for his children for you. So this great king, Solomon, wanted an understanding heart. But what exactly does that mean? Ministryinsights.com has a fascinating article that explores an understanding heart. First, it clarifies heart, saying, and quote, in Scripture, the term heart is used to denote a person's inner self. The heart is the center of spiritual activity, moral understanding, and human will, unquote. We all know how powerful the heart is, especially as described in that article. Scripture underscores this truth over and over, making it clear that our heart is affected by what we treasure, Matthew 6, 21, that the heart is the source of our trust in God, Proverbs 3, 5, that we must guard our hearts because everything we do flows from it, Proverbs 4, 23, that a pure heart goes hand in hand with a steadfast spirit, Psalms 51, 10, and that God's peace guards our heart. Philippians 4, 7. The article on Ministry Insights goes on to say that an understanding heart is humble and purposeful, humble in that it recognizes any strength we have, even in our writing, isn't from us, it's from God. A humble heart, quote, invites God to work to cultivate deeper insight about those strengths, unquote. It's purposeful in that it is, quote, neither careless nor impulsive, unquote. When we cultivate an understanding heart, we do so understanding our limits and God's limitlessness. And we do so with purpose. 
So friends, when you go to God for guidance, as we stated earlier, when you start with meditating on his word and listening only to him, you acknowledge how limited your understanding is. Ask him with Solomon to give you an understanding heart of yourself, of others, and of him. So how did God respond in 1 Kings when Solomon asked for an understanding heart? God replied, Because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. My friend Gail, after studying all this, realized God was challenging her to ponder a certain question. Likewise, I believe he's asking us to do the same. And what's that question? How close do you want to go with God? Gail went on to explain, in short, God was saying to me, Gail, to the degree you are walking closely with me, abiding with me, fixing your eyes on me, one of two things will happen. You will either in some degree or fashion walk in Ecclesiastes 1 and get depressed by all you see, waking up each morning and saying, if not in your words, then in your heart, same old, same old. Or you will embrace Ephesians 3.20 and seek me, asking me to reveal my heart. Start with boldness to ask me what is already on your heart and mind, and we'll talk about the fact that I can do immeasurably more than that, or more than you can ever imagine. So it was this question in particular that grabbed my heart and spirit, because just the night before Gail's email, I'd made the mistake, the terrible mistake, of watching the news. I seldom do that any longer simply because I know how awful the world has become. My husband will watch the news and he'll start to tell me something and I'll say, I don't want to hear it. I, I, I know people are terrible. I don't want to hear it. So I know how awful the world has become and how insane people are. And I don't want to see evidence of it every stinking day. But after watching the news that night, I found myself unable to sleep. I, I couldn't stop wondering how God's creation has come so far away from him, how such unbelievable lies and deceptions have taken root in people's hearts and minds to the point that they consider them truths. So that night, I was living in Ecclesiastes 1, moaning about how there's nothing new under the sun, how evil is rampant and people are rotten, and Lord, why don't you come down and annihilate us all? Yeah, not such a great place to live. No. <laughs> if you've been there, guys out there, or maybe you're even there now, it's time to step out of Ecclesiastes. Go to Scripture. Seek first the Father's forgiveness for not trusting Him, and then ask Him for help. Ask Him to draw you closer to His heart, to share His understanding of the world and of evil and of all of these things that drag us down. Ask Him to open our eyes, to let us see the people and the world around us with His eyes. It's very different, guys. And to show us His truth and His work in our world and to draw us deeper into an understanding heart. So, how about you? How close do you want to go with God? Are you ready to stop accepting the same old, same old? Are you ready to refuse to accept that's just the way the world is, or that's just the way publishing is, or that's just the way the church is? 
Are you ready to shift your focus and understanding when trials come? Because we all know they will come. Boy, howdy, will they ever come? Write our books. Hey, maybe they won't sell the way we want or hope. Or pirates may come along and steal what's rightfully ours. Contracts we're expecting, they might not materialize. Or maybe there's projects we're counting on and they disappear with zero explanation. Or a book we've turned in gets rejected. Or we're sick and we can't meet a deadline. Or family cries leave us too battered to write. And we all understand that barely scratches the surface of all that can go wrong in our writing journeys. But if we walk in Ecclesiastes 1, we'll just moan and groan and complain and ask why. Don't do that. Instead, prepare for the inevitable trials of life and publishing with an understanding heart. When you do that, something amazing will happen. Those hard scriptures, you know, when people say, oh, that's a hard scripture, the ones we read and wonder how on earth we're supposed to follow them, they take on new meaning and impact. Consider James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, not lacking anything. Pure joy? You bet, because an understanding heart will let you see what's happening to you with God's eyes. You'll understand every trial will only draw you closer to him, and it will help prepare you for an eternity with the Father. When we ask God to grow us in an understanding heart, Romans 8, 28 resonates as never before. And this is what that says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So how often have you read that and asked, all things, really? I mean, I know I've done that. Physical limitations, diseases and illnesses, relationship struggles, financial hardships, all those things are for my good? Yes, guys, yes. In any and every thing, God is working for our good. And and hear this. He's not just up there wringing his hands <laughs> going, oh, dear, I don't know how I'm going to fix this. No, guys, he's had a plan all along to shape and refine us, to give us compassion and understanding, to make us a reflection of him to a world that so desperately needs him. You know, Don and I live in a fairly remote area of Washington State. There's one highway that comes to our town, one two-lane highway that comes to our town, and the traffic on that highway is atrocious because it goes through our town on into the mountains to the skiing or to the recreating in the summer. I joined a Facebook group for my small town, and I noticed how people would ask about the traffic situation on the regular basis. You know, how's Highway 2 from here to here? So one day when Don and I were stuck in a long line of traffic, I hopped onto Facebook and posted about it to let folks know, trying to be helpful. And many of the responses to my post were nice, even grateful. But some of them, oh, holy cow, I had no idea I'd get blasted with sarcastic angry and insulting posts that I'd be told to, quote, go back to whatever city you came from if you don't like the traffic, unquote. I mean, I considered unleashing some verbal abuse of my own in response, but God got hold of me. Instead, I reread those posts and I responded to a few of them that were the most vitriolic, and I said, apparently you're having a hard day. 
from what you posted. So I'm going to pray for you that God will give you a better day. And then I went in and I thanked the people who were kind and grateful in their responses. Well, it's a good thing I didn't follow my first instinct because the woman who lives behind us here in our small town sent me a private message telling me where to post about traffic without getting blasted. And then she said, quote, some people just have to be mean, but your responses to them were wonderful, unquote. <laughs> Thank God he moved me to turn my hurt and frustration into kindness. I shudder to think the kind of witness I'd been to her if I'd responded in kind the way that I wanted to at the beginning. Well, that's the beauty of cultivating an understanding heart. It turns us around yeah. and it turns First Peter 4, 12, through 19 from one of those, you know, hard scriptures into a great strategy filled with promise and purpose. Listen to this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us— what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Trials coming? Be overjoyed when God's glory is revealed. So suffering, attacking you? I mean, you're blessed, and the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Are miseries reaching for you? Don't be ashamed. Praise God that you bear his name. And are you carrying burdens? Commit yourself to your faithful creator and continue to do good because he will make you able. Imagine, guys, imagine living that way. Imagine seeking God in his word, listening only for his loving, powerful voice. Imagine surrendering to him and his work in everything you are and do. Imagine what it means to ask him for and open yourself to him and to his creating in you an understanding heart. Imagine coming to him and asking for whatever abundant, unfathomable, inconceivable blessing he wants to share with us. Start today, friends. Don't spend one more second in living an Ecclesiastes 1 life. Instead, step into a life steeped in Ephesians 3.20 and let your imagination soar. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm -hmm.